that was the end of that message in that little time period that they were going through. We don't know how long it was. It could have been a couple months or it could have been just weeks. I'm really glad you read the rest of that scripture. I mean, like that really just set me in. Uh, now I feel like you said like there's an ending here. There's like a deep breath. You know, you, you all got what is an audience here. You got what you got out of it. I got what I got out of it. You know, my goal moving forward here is kind of stay out of the way and keep probing. But, you know, I will say this for the non-believers because I'm a believer of this. I'm actually at this moment as I go through this one Bible study. This is probably my first Bible study since I was like eight years old that I listened to outside of Terry, our pastor, and, and the stuff that he has taught me over the last uh, few months. But nonetheless, for the believers, you believe this already. And now, you know, hopefully it's just come back into your heart more. You're, you're being re energized in the word, but in the way. But for the non believers, I want to encourage you from a longtime non believer and, and a proud sinner is that I used to love the book Dialogues of Plato. And I read those books ravishly and the stories ravishly about, you know, and the biggest part I loved about it was the death of Socrates and, and the story about how Socrates and all of his fathers were all in the prison cell and, and at the end of the night and his wife and children all departed from the cell and gave room like from eight o'clock until sunrise or something to give room because she, his wife and children knew that he, he would want to sit around with his people and philosophize about God and life and unity. And so that touched me as a non-believer and I steered to that story. And then I learned that Plato wasn't there. It was Plato's brother who was in that room. But yet I just read this whole story like I was there. And this is one of the things I think that as a non-believer myself and for most of my life and most non-believers would say is, well, that's some other guy telling a story about something that didn't happen, right? Like I'm just going to go in that non-believer frame set for a second, but I want to paint a real picture that we know regardless of how many documentaries you've seen and all the people who say these people didn't exist. There's no evidence of this time. There's no evidence of a Christ. There's no physical incarnation of it. I've seen these stories on TV nonstop. I know it's Satan at work. I know it's the true Satan at work of trying to rip apart the beauty of, of the Bible and, and, and the true story of Christ. And they do it in every way they can. But what I'll say is if you can dispel disbelief for a second and take that same context, which I know many non-believers who are even listening to this are kind of moving in their heart to if they could believe they would, you know? And what I want to say is go back and read Dialogues of Plato, read the Socrates stories. I'm not saying it from a religious perspective, but I'm saying it from a narrative from another person who was in a moment, who believed in that moment and that crowd and that crew so much that these stories of these people at this time, which we do know have physical reality in this form, right? These are another, no, people can't say they were mythical people, right? We know Socrates existed. And so as well as Aristotle, right? So we know these humans existed. They were on the planet Earth and these stories have stood the test of time. These books and stories, like I say about Plato and everything, it's gone into colleges, it's gone into universities. It was almost in its own way, a very similar goosebump moment for me as someone who loves to hear that these moments on Earth are happening. And so now, as a new believer, I believe this. I believe this happened. I can feel it. I don't know how it happened. It feels wondrous. It feels magical. Yeah, and it's funny you use that story. The funny thing about Aristotle that I learned just recently this week was that in his school of thought, right, in his studies, what he wanted was disciples. He was making disciples to actually go out and influence the Roman and Jewish culture as well as the Greek culture, and to bring their mindset. Yeah, it feels the same kind of the way the energy, right? Kind of backtracking on what you're speaking on. You know, when we're talking about Jesus, right? He is the full author 
of discipleship, right? Of making disciples, of how to actually follow through with the spirit of love and just being empowered by the spirit of God to be conformed into a disciple. And one thing a disciple is, if you look up the definition, it means a pupit, right? Which ultimately means a student, a student, a constant learner. You're progressing and that's what you're doing. You're in the study of scripture as a disciple. Right now to the listener, if you are right now studying scripture, if you are right now taking the next step in prayer and following God, you are considered a disciple. If you have given your life to Christ and you are following him, you are a disciple. And so I just want to encourage you as true disciples of the living God to just allow the spirit to just lead you, guide you, and direct you. It's all about surrender. It's all about devotion. And with that being said, let's pray out. Oh yeah, let's do it. Almighty Father God, creator of heaven and earth, God, we bless your holy name for your name is sanctified, holy, and set apart. And we thank you. We thank you, God, for your many blessings upon our life, for your providing guidance and direction, for your providence and for your provision. We thank you, God, for all that you do. And we just pray that the power of the Holy Spirit be with us this day. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen.